Hello, everyone, and welcome to Coffee with Canon on this Monday. My God, it's uh, January 3rd, 2022. And uh, looking forward to seeing all my folks in the chat from all over the world. Uh, you know, someone recently um, put in the in the chat to me saying, oh, I like your show, Coffee with Canon, but I hate how you shout out to all these people. I just don't like it. Well, you better get used to it or else you can go somewhere else because that's a big part of Coffee with Canon is me being able to say hello to all my supporters, all my folks across the pond. Uh, look at this, Sergeant Melinda's in the chat. Hello, Sergeant Melinda. Good to see you. I haven't seen you in a long time. Great to see you here. Uh, look at all these folks showing up. Ruth Ann Griffin, Kathy Bates, uh, Army Mom 13. Wow. Look, there's a lot of love in this chat, and that's what uh, that's what we like here with uh, Coffee with Cannon. Uh, I did a show last night, and, you know, it, it, you'd have to be living under a rock to not realize that uh, there's a lot of changes this year, of course, in New York City. And the biggest change course is that we have a new mayor and there's a picture of him on the screen right there his name is eric adams um he's uh he's a, a retired nypd captain uh he he's got a lot of experience in government he was a, a senator and he's he was the brooklyn borough president uh and now he is the new mayor of new york city and I look upon that as a real positive thing because there was um, there was some real um, poor choices in the, on the Democratic ticket. Uh, the other nine folks that were running for the nomination, besides Eric Adams, were horrendous. I mean, when horrendous, when I talk about progressives that would defund the police types, you know, and even though Eric Adams was not a what we would call a proactive cop. Uh, in that way, meaning he wasn't an active cop in regards to uh, making arrests and that type of thing. He knows the police department. He's friendly with the police department, and he wants the police department to succeed, and he knows what will succeed on the police department. So having said that, there is a picture of him uh, as a NYPD captain. I believe he did 20 years as an NYPD captain, and. Um, he started out his career in transit, so he knows how the NYPD runs. And as I said, he's he's friendly with the police department. He knows the structure. He knows how it works. He knows what it means to be a cop. He knows the tools that you need to succeed as a cop. But at the same time, he's um, going to be, I believe, strict with how we enforce the laws on the streets of New York City. But as I said, um, in New York City, it, it, uh, it's a democratic city. Uh, the Democratic Party rules New York City. For a Republican to get elected in New York City, there has to be like a perfect storm of uh, mismanagement. And that's the way it was under David Dinkins. And as a result, Rudolph Giuliani uh, was elected and he turned the city around uh, because the city really needed to be turned around. Uh, and crime was out of control back in the 90s when Giuliani took over. And I believe in 1990, there was, uh, they always point to this as the biggest sign of disorder. There was 2,200 murders in New York City, 2,200. So 
they needed a law and order mayor, and in walks, and uh, not walks, in gets elected Rudolph Giuliani, a Republican, who then uh, changed the criminal justice um, picture in New York City. And the way he did that was to have everyone on board. This was a new era in crime fighting. And they did something that was called um, broken windows style policing. And broken windows style policing was a, um, a style where they would concentrate on the lower crimes with the theory that concentrating on the lower crimes would have a big effect on the, on the more serious crimes, the violent crimes. And it worked. It worked. And over 30 years, using the Comstat model and the broken window style policing, the seven major crimes went down uh, 70% in New York City. So those uh, those 2,200 murders became, in the, the last years of, uh, I believe, Michael Bloomberg, down as low as 300 murders. So when you talk, you're talking that 1,900 more people were alive per year because of that style of policing. It's hard to argue uh, with the fact that broken windows policing works. However, there are progressives that want to reinvent the wheel, and that's exactly what they did under uh, Mayor de Blasio. He, in eight years, he literally destroyed the city, destroyed the city. And now uh, Mayor Adams has to clean up this problem, you know, and he's... Uh, He's talking a good game so far, and uh, I'm going to tell you right now, um, I'm rooting for him. Uh, of course, you'd have to you'd have to be a hater of New York City not to root for him. Uh, we want him to succeed, but at the same time, we want him to succeed in the way that he supports the police, he gets people working again because unemployment is a big problem, and he addresses the COVID situation, um, but because it's a lot of people feel like they've sort of been enslaved by uh, being stuck in the house and being precluded from going to certain events because of COVID. I'm going to put Eric Adams was just on Morning Joe today at MSNBC. And of course, a lot of these uh, TV stations are just gushing over Mayor Adams. And let's see how long this love fest lasts. Let me put him on the screen. So join the conversation. We have member of the New York Times editorial board, Mara Gay. Good to have you on board this morning. Happy New Year to you both. And Mr. Mayor, what a beginning to your um, not only new year, but uh, new job as mayor of New York City. And he kind of had this James Bond thing. He calls in and 911 goes, yes, can I get your name, please? He goes, Adams. (laughs) 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 What happened? First of all, thanks a lot. It's good to be on here. I know the former mayor was a frequent guest, and so I, I hope to be on as many times as possible to share uh, what's happening in the city. <laughs> a good start. Uh, uh, day two. And, you know, what's interesting, people ask all the time, how do you feel, you know, Rev? They said, you know, do you feel the change? And I don't. I've been doing this for 30 plus years. Right. Uh, I took the subway as a police officer, state senator, bar president. So it was nothing to wake up and take the J train. If I see something, I say something, I do something, someone is having a fight on the street, I'm going to call to make sure people are safe and talking to people on the subway. So uh, this is a natural transition of my life. And now during these difficult times, I'm ready to lead the city forward. 
Well, speaking of subways, Mr. Mayor, uh, the New York Post this morning had a story about how it's uh, getting more difficult and more dangerous to ride the subways. I, you, you and I remember, uh, I'd be as a, a tourist, but you living there, uh, it was kind of tough. When my dad uh, asked people at Holiday Inn in New York City, hey, we'd like to ride the subway. They said, no, you wouldn't. And, <laughs> but but the subway in the 70s and the 80s was tough. I think one of the things that, that really helped New York City uh, get moving is uh, subways were cleaned up. Uh, obviously, uh, there's some challenges now that there weren't before uh, the pandemic. Uh, can What can you do? Well, first, um, we need to restore order to our subway system, and that includes a combination of things. I was a former transit cop uh, during the mid-'80s where you rode the subway. What he's referring to, what uh, Mayor Adams is referring to, is that the, the subways now are, are out of control in New York City. In essence, they've surrendered the subways to homeless people, and homeless people are just, they've taken over the subways uh, where they're living underground there and what that does it is it makes the riding public fearful to ride the subways uh and the way it was attacked one of the greatest i believe the greatest um, police commissioners in nypd history was bill bratton and prior to bill bratton becoming the police commissioner of new york city he was the chief of the transit police and he brought a lot of innovative ideas into transit that really cleaned up the system. And you notice Morning Joe just says it was cleaned up. He doesn't give credit to the people that cleaned it up because he's, he's a progressive and he doesn't want to give credit to the people that actually did the work that taught the NYPD and taught the transit police and taught the people in the city of New York how they could clean up the subway. And one way Bratton did it, and it was very smart, and this tool has since been taken away, was... Um, enforcing uh, jumping the turnstile, which at the time was a theft of service. What the geniuses in Albany have done was they took away that tool from the NYPD and from the transit police, and they made jumping the turnstile a civil matter. So in essence, it sort of gives a green light to those disorderly people, those people that go on the subway system to commit crimes, to commit robberies, to commit assaults, a green light. When someone commits a crime on the subway system, the first question they should ask them after their arrest is, did you pay your fare? <laughs> and what what percentage of criminals do you think pay their fare to get on the subway? Yes, I would, I would like to do a survey on that. But that tool was taken away with, with the geniusness of, um, you know, decarceration, the, 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 the geniusness of not prosecuting lower-level crimes. So we must get back to that. We must get back to prosecuting lower-level crimes. And the problem here is, and I applaud uh, Mayor Adams for wanting to do something about it, but to to do to prosecute lower-level crimes and to get uh, the, the city back into shape, you need all the criminal justice entities on the same page, meaning the district attorney's office, the Manhattan district attorney, the Bronx, Staten Island, Brooklyn, Queens, they all have to be on the same page. And unfortunately, they're all selling and pushing this progressive nonsense of uh, not prosecuting lower-level crimes. And the whole idea is to not put people in jail and to put just – there is something called diversion, and that is a criminal justice philosophy where you take people that commit crimes – 
And instead of punishing them, you divert them into programs, feel-good programs, you know, counseling, uh, uh, alcohol, drug counseling. All of that stuff is good. But when someone commits a crime, they need to be punished. And not pun- by not punishing them, you're giving them sort of carte blanche to, what, to do whatever they want on the subway system. In addition, the subway system has become an, another garbage pail. People living there and sleeping in the cars. So when people get up in the morning and they want to go to work, they can't even get a seat because homeless people are stretched out across the, the seats. That's not okay, all right? So they have to get transit police in there, homeless advocates in there, and remove these people from the system. They cannot be allowed to live on the system. Folks, this is Coffee with Cannon. There's my uh, police off the cuff mug. The other side, of course, is our motto, dipped in butter. There we go. And uh, there we go. It's hard to get get it right on the screen. But um, I'm so glad you guys are joining me. And I see all the folks that are the green font means that you're a member of our YouTube family. And I really appreciate that. Uh, Betty Spaghetti, love that name, Betty Spaghetti, because I love spaghetti, you know. And uh, Phil Grimaldi is going to do another show. He promises us one of his cooking shows. He did a, a show on how to make Italian uh, sauce, and he's going to do another show pretty soon. I want to, to get it together. Uh, Cr Patrick, how are you? Good, great to see you. I want Phil to get it together. He wants to teach us how to make veal cutlet parmesan. Oh my God! Every time I do this show, I start talking about food, and I get more and more. Uh, I get hungry during the show, you know. There's Lieutenant Pete. Cheers, cheers, Lieutenant Pete. Great to see you and all our police off the cuff family. You know, I said earlier, now there's more people in the chat. Someone wrote to me in the chat saying, oh, I like coffee with Cannon, but I don't like how you shout out to everyone. It's distracting. Dude, you know something? You're a master of your own destiny. You can pick another show because I'm always going to shout out to people on coffee with Cannon. It's like having a conversation in the morning. And these are all my friends and all the people in the chat. Jeffrey uh, Crowley, how how are you? Uh, watch Bay, watch not your mother's role model. Uh, I don't support folk hero ideology. Let's just be real. Roy only hurt people involved with them, and you could leave your house and car doors unlocked if you lived in the neighborhood. I don't know. Um, watch Bay, watch not your mother's role model. Who you were answering to, but. Uh, uh, Pauline Buckles, yeah, I like getting a shout out too. So I think you know. Here's, uh, here's Sergeant Melinda. She's in the chat. I hadn't seen her in a while. Of course, I'm going to shout out to her. So anyone that objects to that, you know, there's there's other channels, but I'm going to always shout out to you guys. Uh, CR Patrick, thank you so much. We love coffee with Cannon. Yay. Even though I don't have any coffee in my cup, but I do have some, I do have some water here because the more I talk, the more I need water, you know. Uh, factual breakdown. I'm glad you're feeling better. Uh, you put your your uh, your daughter's back to 100%. My body aches and chills have passed, but the pneumonia I can't shake. Well, factual breakdown, Lorraine. We're hoping that you totally wipe this out. This is this COVID thing. It's just it's unbelievable. It's with us, and you know we wish it would go the hell away. But right now, you know, uh, it's 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 a crazy thing, and it's like uh, we're, we're trying to get rid of this. I, um, I've been vaccinated. Uh, I've gotten the booster shot. 
I, I'm not. I'm a proponent of getting vaccinated. However, I don't push my agenda. It's up to you uh, if you want to get vaccinated. Um, I want to. I want to play a little bit more of what Eric Adams said to uh, uh, our our favorite uh, uh, ABC, uh, our favorite ABC commentator George Snuffleupagus here of of Alec Baldwin, a horrendous interview fame. He interviewed um, Eric Adams in regards to the COVID thing. And I just want to play a little bit of this. We'll get this on the screen and see what he says. And I have to give Eric Adams a lot of credit. He, he's a very well-spoken guy, and he knows he knows the path he wants to take. Back, what do you say to those parents who fear sending their children back? I say to them, fear not sending them back. The stats are clear. The safest place for children is inside a school. The numbers of transmissions are low. Your children is in a safe space to learn and continue to thrive. We lost almost two years of education. George, we can't do it again. And so I say to them, we're gonna create a safe environment with testing. We're gonna identify the children that, that are exposed. We're gonna remove them from that environment. The numbers show the mere fact that a child is expo exposed in a classroom does not mean that an entire classroom is exposed. We just have to be smarter and thoughtful to keep our city safe and operating. Some cities like Boston are requiring tests before the students go back. Why not do that? It's a good idea, and I believe that the governor has the power to do mandatory testing, and I'm going to operate within the tools that I have available to me, and I think that would be a great idea, but unfortunately, the governor made the decision, and I'm going to follow the governor, and we're going to be partners on this to make sure we make our school system safe. You're keeping man uh, Mayor de Blasio's mandate, vaccine mandate in place for private employers. Will you require teachers, police officers, other city workers to get a booster shot? That's our next move and decision. We're going to examine the numbers. If we feel we have to get to the place of making that mandatory, we're going to do that. But we're encouraging them to do it now. I took my booster shots, and every time I look at the numbers, I'm happy. And you know what the message is also, George? It's not only about is it going to prevent you from getting COVID? Because that's what people are saying. I got it and I have my booster shot. No, it's going to prevent you from dying. <laughs> it's going to alleviate the possibility of you being hospitalized, going on a ventilator. The goal is to build up your immune system and the booster shot is going to do that. The numbers are clear. Look at those who are not um, vaccinated. They're sky high. Numbers uh, who are they are at a moderate level. That's what we must focus on. Your number one challenge during the campaign, your number one message during the campaign was <clears> to get <throat> crime under control. That was your number one promise, 500 murders in New York City in the last year. And the challenge you faced was pretty apparent on your first day. What, you had to make a 911 call from the subway over a fight. You had to pay a visit to a police officer who was shot. That's the personal touch, but what's the plan? Oh, we have a good plan, we have a good police commissioner. She's in now doing a real analysis to have the right balance because the balance is not just heavy-handed policing. It's public safety and justice. What we do uh, long-term and what we do right now, we're going to go after gangs. We're going to take down some of the large gangs in our city. Whenever you see a shooting takes pla take place, look at the next line, gang-related. We're going to zero in on gangs. We're going to reinstitute a plainclothes anti-gun unit and zero in on those guns. The other uh, uh, two days ago, we took seven guns off the street in the Bronx with an amazing team of officers there. And so we're going to refocus on those who are carrying guns and violent crimes in our city and turn around the city. It's going to be a safe place. Say all the time, the prerequisite to prosperity is public safety and justice. My city is going to be safe. Let's talk about prosperity, the economy.
So, you know, he's got some good ideas, and these ideas are, are not his. They've been tried. They're tried and true. They work. I always say, and I refer to it as the blueprint to cut crime in New York City. The blueprint was, was, was recorded. It was made. The blueprint was made under Giuliani. It was followed through by Bloomberg. Bloomberg, I believe, with Ray Kelly as the commissioner, and if you guys don't remember, Bloomberg was mayor for 12 years. He was a really a Democrat, although he ran as a Republican. Bloomberg's entire philosophy is, is Democrat, and except that he was a big proponent of public safety. And Bloomberg was smart enough to know when something isn't broke, you don't fix it. So he stayed with that Comstat program. The only I think that the only thing they really erred with under Ray Kelly, and I think it was a stain on his police commissionership, was and I'll say it because it's true, they overused, overused stop, question, and frisk. They made stop, question, and frisk into an activity that they made officers do in order to not, uh, you know, to, to not get in trouble with their commanding officer, much like writing summonses. And that's what I think put a big stain on the NYPD. And that's why, in essence, we lost one of the greatest tools was having the you, I mean, they still use stop, question, and frisk. It's a misnomer that they don't. However, it is so overly monitored. They have to fill out, they stop someone, they got to fill out 10 pages of paperwork. And it became a dirty word. And if you notice, the press doesn't call it stop, question, and frisk. They purposely call it stop and frisk, which is so incorrect. And the press does that because that's the, that's the way they do things. They report things erroneously, and they don't even know what stop, question, and frisk means. You know, what is the uh, ladder of suspicion in order to go up to someone and stop them? What are the parameters before you can you can frisk them? And we as police officers, we know the law. You can approach anyone. And if you can articulate just common law right of inquiry, you can talk to anyone on the street. If it if if the ladder of suspicion gets to the mere suspicion, yes, you can approach and just talk to someone reasonable suspicion right you can stop question and possibly frisk possibly frisk that person for a weapon because your life may be in danger that's covered under the law the politicians cannot stop that just because they don't like it all right and probable cause of course under the ladder of suspicion is the arrest phase so once you have what's called probable cause the person is getting arrested handcuffs are being put on them and then officers have what's called search incidental to lawful arrest, where the person's whole person can be searched for weapons, contraband, all of that stuff. Uh, Peter Pranzo, mandatory sentences for gun possession and violent offenses, quality of life offenses, targeted mental institutions, reopened bail reform. Of course, Lieutenant Pete and anyone in the chat that knows that, it's you, the great Lieutenant Peter Pranzo, Harlem Raiders, 3-2 legend, and, of course, street crime legend, Lieutenant Peter Pranzo, Medal of Valor recipient. Do I have to read his resume? <laughs> I don't think I do. Everyone knows uh, Lieutenant Pete from being a huge supporter of, uh, of this channel of Police Off the Cuff. And, of course, Coffee with Cannon. Yo! <laughs> it's not even really morning. It's 1223, so we're like early afternoon. So you guys should all be awakened and ready to go, you know? So I'm optimistic. I'm very optimistic about Eric Adams. I'm not, I think... I'm cautiously optimistic because, you know, one of the biggest things is is to 
see how someone's going to operate in the future. Look at what their past was all about. And um, I don't, I never personally worked with Eric Adams on the police department. He was a Brooklyn uh, cop. He started out in transit. Uh, I was a Manhattan cop, Manhattan North my whole career. So I never crossed paths with him on the police department, but he wasn't what you would call an active arrest oriented cop. And he was an activist. He really was. And that, that, you know, I say that as it's because it's true. He started a group on the NYPD called 100 Blacks and Law Enforcement Who Care. So he uh, he was an activist, and I, I believe that he will still be an activist as the mayor. However, he's talking a good talk right now. Let's see if he can walk the walk, Lynn. Let's see if he really supports the police. I want to see the first time there's a questionable encounter with the NYPD with either a perp or some arrest-oriented situation, a search warrant, uh, a narcotics arrest. And I want to see if he supports the police. That will uh, that will tell it that, for me. That'll tell me whether or not he's really the real deal and he's really going to support the police or is he just a, a good-speaking politician. We'll see because the police, not just in New York City, but across the nation in the past, I would say, four years, three years, four years, they've been beaten down. There has been an anti-police sentiment across this nation. You know, you watch the riots, which progressives call um, the protests. Uh, The protests weren't, they weren't protests, they were riots. They did billions of dollars worth of damage. If you recall, they were starting fires, even in our own city. You know, I love the the time uh, when I saw, uh, at the time, I think he was chief of detectives, Rodney Harrison a real, real cop, rolling around on the street with a perp during those riots. To me, that said everything about leadership. You know, when you see a boss, and in the NYPD, we use that word boss for anyone above the rank of sergeant. When you see a boss rolling around in the street with a perp, that's a real boss. That's a real cop. That's a real leader. And we all look forward to that, uh, you know, working for people like that on the NYPD, working with a boss. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, Sergeant Melinda, uh, many of those, the problem cities with crime that were choosing to defund the police were run by Democrats. Let's face it. There's no way to hide that. Some of the highest crime in this nation are cities where the mayor and the governors are Democrats because they don't believe in supporting the police. And that I'm going to be very, very frank about that. And they were the biggest folks supporting the defund the police movement. And now they're hiding from that because they see it's been a disaster, a complete disaster. And any of these progressives that still are talking to fund the police, they should get out of politics and start selling real estate, you know, because there's no room for them in government. And the New York City Council, that's another big problem that uh, that's a big problem that this mayor is going to have the radicals in that in the city council. Horrendous. You know, if you can recall, we've spoken a lot of times about um Bail reform, which didn't come from the city council, came from Albany, a disaster. And we also spoke about uh, the diaphragm law, which has since been rescinded by a judge, a smart judge that said, this is outrageous. And if you're not familiar with the diaphragm, what it was, was the city council passed this law, which I don't even know if they have the authority to do, which made it a misdemeanor for an on-duty police officer in the process of making an arrest if he put his knee into the back of a perpetrator to get him cuffed, 
he could potentially be charged with an A misdemeanor. The police officer in making an arrest, outrageous, just simply outrageous. In fact, that's how thousands and thousands of police officers are trained to get someone cuffed. You try to cuff some jailhouse jack on the street who's all all pumped up from just getting out of prison, and then you try to cuff him without putting your knee in his back, it's going to be a disaster. There was a great video I had uh, of these two officers from the 2-5 precinct uh, that were trying to cuff this guy, and you could see they were very reluctant to, to put their knee in his back because they were afraid, and the guy was armed with a gun. And they put their lives in extreme danger because they were afraid to do what they were trained to do. And at some point, luckily, they knocked the guy to the ground uh, after he had gotten up and run from them. Other officers got to the scene. Lo and behold, he had a gun on him. That could have ended tragically. Just because the officers were trying to play by the rules that were not, the rules were horrendous. Rules set in by these city council members that have no clue about police work. How about not letting politicians that have no clue about police work make laws and rules that affect police. How about talking to the police experts before you make stupid rules that are going to hamper the police department? And if it hampers the police department, who's it also going to hamper? It's going to hamper the public. The public's going to be less safe because when you get police around unsure of what they're allowed by law to do, then you're going to make the public less safe. Folks, this is Police Off the Cuff, Coffee with Cannon, and I'm so glad you guys are joining me this early afternoon on July, July, on January. I'm thinking of July. I want it to be July. On January 3rd, 2022. Can you believe 2022? My God. I was just thinking, uh, you know, and not to celebrate how old I am, but, uh, in 2025, it'll be my 5-0 anniversary of graduating high school. 50 years, 50 years of graduating high school. I, I went to Levittown Memorial on Long Island, which uh, unfortunately doesn't exist anymore. It was one of the high schools that they closed. But 2025 will be 50 years that I graduated high school. Levittown Memorial Panthers, go Panthers, you know. But 50 years, it's like, you know, I don't ever hide my age because, you know, something, as as many people say, it's a much better thing to be above ground than below ground. And I'll always celebrate life. Uh, Steve McGarrett, you're from Wantua. Cool. Wantua Warriors. We played against Wantua a lot. Um, they were in the South Shore Leagues. Uh, Blue, good morning, everyone. Michella Pranzo is on. She's in the chat, too. Great to see you. Alicia B., great to see you. Uh Gene Whitehead, time flies. Yeah, time flies. You know, of course, everyone would, likes to be uh, younger, but you know something, you want to get to you want to get old enough so that you, you appreciate life. You have the wisdom, and you get to experience all the great things in life. You know, look at Betty White. Betty White dies at ninety nine. She was going to be one hundred this month. You know, and you know something. What a great career! What a great actress! Great Americana! You know. But you know something, is, is anyone really sad? She lived an amazing, amazing life. It would have been nice if she got to 100. I don't know what percentage of people on this earth uh, get to live to 100, but uh, an amazing thing, you know? So get, getting back to some of the, you know, uh, as I said, uh, yeah, Maui Swift, Maui Swift, <laughs> one of my favorites in the chat, 
yes, that only comes with age, wisdom, experience, getting to have kids, getting to have grandkids. I don't have grandkids yet. My two sons are late starters, <laughs> you know? They're, neither one of them are even married. My oldest son, Casey, who just moved to Denver, uh, Colorado, is going to be 30 in April. Oh, my God, 30 years old. And my youngest, Jake, he lives in Manhattan. He's 26. So it's like time flies, you know, when you get to experience all these great things. You know, some of my friends are like grandparents now. And and I guess you really can't appreciate what it's like to be a grandparent till it, till it happens to you. And, uh, you know, so when they tell me, oh, I went to see my granddaughter, and I'm like, eh, yeah. <laughs> I guess you don't really get excited. Lieutenant Pete and Richella, I'm sure you guys could tell us all about that, you know. Uh, Steve McGarrett, you're right. Kids take their time these days. It takes longer to um, to get yourself established, I think, today, you know. Kids live with their parents longer these days than ever before, you know. But my both my sons are doing great. My oldest is... Uh, he can work anywhere in the world. He works remotely, uh, and he's in cybersecurity. So he somewhat chose a law enforcement path, and he's got a master's degree in international security that he got a couple of years ago from the University of Edinburgh in Scotland. I usually say Edinburgh, and I get <laughs> I get critis- criticized by the Scots that are in the chat. He went to the University of Edinburgh, and my youngest son, Jake, is a film editor, and he's doing very well. And once in a while, he'll actually edit something for me. But when I ask him, he's like, he's looking for money. I'm like, yeah, I'll give you money. I paid for your college. There's the money, you know. <laughs> but it's great. So let's get back to the whole crime thing. There is in New York City and, and other parts of the world, I believe, uh, there's a a blueprint in order to get the city under control. And public safety impacts upon all other aspects of life in New York City. And once you you feel safe, I mean, I was doing I was doing stand up comedy for six years, seven years, and I just stopped doing it, uh, sort of during the Corona thing. And I was even doing some shows online, but I got so involved in this podcast that this is my focus right now. I want to make this podcast as good as it can be, and I want want to work hard and get great guests. And Coffee with Cannon just came out of the fact that. I want to go on almost every day and talk to you guys, you know, and have fun and and get better at being a host, you know. And uh, yeah, Betty Spaghetti, I did stand-up comedy for like six, six and a half years. I was okay. I mean, it takes a lot of, uh, to do stand-up comedy, it takes a lot of practice. You got to go out all the time. You probably should do it three, four nights a week to get better at it. And not just on stage. You got to, at home, write new material, your view of the world, your, you know, and that's, the hustle in doing stand-up comedy is the hardest part. Um, to go out all the time, and tra- that means traveling into the city. I used to run an open mic 10 minutes from my home where I live up in Westchester every Monday night, and I would you know, have 20, 25 comics come to play. They, they get their six minutes for $5 they'd pay. And that money didn't go to me. It went to the place. So, yeah, I, I did it, and I was also um, – studying acting i was taking acting classes for like three years for um and i would go into the city for that too and i loved it i i but the covid thing I, it made me stop all of that and they, i sort of segued into doing this podcast and my mark DeMeo does the other show uh police off the cuff after hours with mark DeMeo, and um 
he's uh, he does his show usually on Thursday nights, but I'm trying to do as much content as possible, build up the audience like you guys, and so great to to see all you guys in the chat. Uh, let's see what what who else we got in the chat. Morgan Ashley Roll, you're from Buffalo, right? Morgan Ashley, uh, my my alma mater, Buff State. Uh, uh, yeah, amazing to see some of you guys in the chat. So uh, nice. KV, hi, how are you? Uh, no, Mark Gian, uh, Mark is not related to um, Roy DeMeo. Mark's, the, the name DeMeo isn't Mark's real name. His last name is Sanchez, but he used DeMeo um, as a stage name. So he, he uses Mark. And his real, his first name is Mario Benex or something like that. Mario, I can't even say it. It's in Spanish. But he obviously changed. He didn't want to be Mario Benex Sanchez as a stage name in comedy. So he changed his name to Mark DeMeo. You know, I don't know how he used that in the police department, too. I guess he had to officially change his name with the department, too. Uh, Adam Apple, after, do you know the Scottish comedian Billy Connolly? He's the best ever stand up, in, in your opinion. I think I saw Billy Connolly. I thought he was Irish. He's he's Scottish, is that correct? I saw him in at uh, in the city. He was very funny, but some of the jokes you had to be like Irish or or Scottish to get them. It was very specific to their culture, so I didn't get all the jokes. Pedro Singh Vasquez, Happy New Year, Bill. Happy New Year to you, Pedro. Uh, Adam App, always from Glasgow. Cool, cool. I went to Scotland. I think it was three years ago. I loved it. We went there to visit my son, and I actually got to do comedy. There was this little club in Edinburgh. I forget the name of it right now, but I called up ahead of time, and she goes, yeah, we'll give you five minutes. I was like, oh, five minutes? Can't you give me 10? They were like, no, you got five minutes. So I, I did five minutes, uh, and it was fun. It was so great to do comedy in another country, see if they got my jokes. I did. I think I did pretty well. And wouldn't you know, it's a small world. Some folks from um, the U.S. were there. Uh and they they came to the show. They were happy that the, you know, here's a here's an American coming to Scotland to do comedy. I was really there to visit my son, and uh, it, you know it was great. Uh, you know it's great to go to Scotland, and I want to go visit my son soon in Denver. We'd like to visit him. Uh, it's it's Edinburgh, Edinburgh. No, oh, <laughs> truth telling troll. I'm trying to learn. You're right. I like to say Edinburgh, but you're right. It's Edinburgh. <laughs> that's funny, you know. You're going to teach a New Yorker how to talk, you know. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> that's great. So getting back to, um, you know, Eric Adams, and uh, we're hoping for great things, as I said. We want we if we all we all love New York City, and we want New York City to prosper, and we want everyone that lives in the city to be safe and to pr- prosper. Because as New York City goes, doesn't the United States go? Doesn't all the major cities go? A lot of people follow New York City. Here's another, uh, some more thoughts from from Eric Adams. We'll put them on the screen and play a little bit more. Government must do its job to allow New Yorkers to make these choices safely. And government must do better. Our government has been dysfunctional for far too long. And it created its own crisis long before COVID. Whether it was crime-ridden communities, poor schools, economic inequality, or racial injustice, our problems have been normalized for generations 
while New York's government struggled to match the energy and innovation of New Yorkers. That changes today. I promise you one thing, New York. I will make our city better every day by making our city government better every day. That does not just mean grand plans and proposals. It means weeding out the waste and eliminating the inefficiencies. It's about accountability. This may seem like an obvious approach, but it is so practical that it has been forgotten. And now is the time to be radically practical because a better city is not just about doing something new. It's about doing something right. It's not about showmanship. It's about showing up. So he talks an excellent game, right? He's a real good speaker. Uh, let's hope that is, he said, be radical practical. Radically practical. That sounds sounds good to me, you know? Does that mean go back uh, to some of the ways that have been proven to work, you know? I love the expression, if it's not broke, don't fix it. In the same vein, if it works, let's let's copy it. Let's emulate it. Let's let's do what works, you know? Let's let's take a piece of the things in the past that worked and let's reinvent the wheel with that, you know, because we know that it works. However, there are many people that have uh, these ideological agendas that go against what works and they, the agenda, the ideological agenda collides head on into common sense. And that's a big problem. Uh, Ed Stackpole, uh, anti-crime, I believe that Eric Adams did um, speak about uh, reinstituting anti-crime. He seems to have a problem with uh, citywide anti-crime, with street crime. Uh, I believe he has spoken about that in the past. You and I both former street crime members. We think street crime is probably the, one of the greatest units ever on the police department. However, it got a reputation as being too heavy-handed. And I don't think that uh, I don't think that he's going to bring that back. He talked about plainclothes gun units, and he didn't call it anti-crime. If you noticed, he called it a plainclothes gun unit. Yeah, it's called anti-crime. Well, whatever way you paint the picture, a plainclothes unit that goes after guns is anti-crime. Um, you know, guys, I'm I'm very uh, optimistic that this new mayor can do a good job. I'm very optimistic that uh, we got rid of this uh, disaster, de Blasio, for eight years. I hope he goes away. Let him run for governor. He'll get another less than 1%. The guy's a disaster. He's a, he's so left-wing that, uh, you know, I, I some of the things that he was trying to do walking out the door, instituting these shooting galleries where people could go to city-sanctioned locations and shoot heroin, That how does that help anyone? I don't understand that. I just do not understand that, you know. Look at the job he did on mental health, his wife. They they dedicated a billion dollars to something called Thrive New York City. It's a disaster. There's more homeless people, more mentally ill people all over the streets of the city, endangering the lives of everyone, including their own. And this guy walking out the door, he's cutting all kinds of deals. He needs to go away. Go away, Bill de Blasio. You were a disaster. You see, he couldn't even do his walkout because there were protesters outside City Hall waiting to just, I guess, pop his balloon. No, dude, let's not 
celebrate your eight years. Let's get you out of here as quick as possible, you know, because you were a disaster and you'll be continue to be a disaster. I don't, I don't want to make this show negative. I, you know, sometimes it gets negative. I get crazy here. I get, I start, this is called coffee with cannon. And I start making it bitching with bill, you know, it's not supposed to be bitching with bill. It's supposed to be coffee with coffee, coffee with cannon. So guys, I'm coming up again. When I talk to you guys, I always wind up doing more time than I intended. I'm coming up on 45 minutes. I want to thank everyone that came by today to listen. We got some great shows coming up. Uh, Arrakis Muabdi, I can't pronounce your name. Hi, Bill. Happy New Year. Sorry, I've been busy. Missed your lives too many times. That's okay. I want the Blasio and Hand of Solitary Confinement. Yeah. Uh, So, guys, thank you so much for listening. Again, we got some great shows coming up in 2022. And I hope you guys uh, stick with Police Off the Cuff, Coffee with Cannon, and support us. Thank you so much. Have a great day and be safe out there.